the swag out them balls. Is that is that Bowtie Paisley? And welcome to another episode of the Sartorial and Geek Podcast by Webster Style. I'm your host, Webster Style, and this is a podcast where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. In my last episode, I talked about Streets of Rage 4 and how excited I was to be able to play that. And it was an added cherry on top that it was released to Xbox Game Pass, which saved me $25 out of my hard-earned paycheck. Now, mind you, I'll probably buy it it eventually outright, but it was just one of those things where I can just download it and play because I am currently subscribed to Xbox Game Pass through my Xbox Live Ultimate account. Now, Microsoft is positioning the Xbox Game Pass and Xbox Live Ultimate as really its killer app for the upcoming console cycle. Now, initially, I was very hesitant to even really support Game Pass simply because I'm like, do I really want another subscription at $9.99 a month for access to 100 games? What if I don't even want to play any of these games? But Xbox, Microsoft particularly, sweetened the deal. So about six or seven months ago, there was an option to convert your Xbox Live Gold account to an Xbox Live Ultimate account for like two bucks. So I did it. So I upgraded and that subscription now ends, I believe it's either the end of July when my Xbox Live Gold account would have ended. So now I'm thinking, is that something I want to renew? So I looked at the math. So right now, Xbox Live Gold is 60 bucks. A year Xbox Game Pass is $9.99 a month and this is the way I was looking at it so Game Pass Game Pass essentially is 120 bucks a year that is essentially buying two AAA titles every single year which if there's something that you do especially if you buy Microsoft titles Microsoft first-party titles then you've already won that that is the money that you have there because one of the benefits of Game Pass is that every single first-party Microsoft title is going onto Game Pass day one. So if you're a Halo fan, there you are. Day one, Halo Infinite is on Microsoft Game Pass. There's no need to actually purchase a game. Uh, Crackdown 3 came out. Crackdown 3 was crapped on, okay? I don't know why I enjoy playing the game. I never, I didn't beat it, but I played it for about a week straight and I really enjoyed the game. And that is the experience I probably wouldn't have gotten if I did not have Xbox Game Pass. So it's one of those things where those games don't go away. So even Outer Worlds from Obsidian is on there. We Happy Few it's on there because they own, Microsoft owns a game studio now. There's so many titles that are coming out just from Microsoft first party that will be there that in my opinion really makes it a very enticing value. If you're someone who buys, again, if you buy two games, two games in a year, that essentially pays for it. And I tried finding ways around, unless you get Microsoft Xbox Live Gold on a discount, that's 60 bucks and that 9.99 is still going to equate to the same thing as if you pay 14.99 for Xbox Live Ultimate, which is basically gold and game pass bundled together in one monthly payment. So, what I love about it, just a sheer plethora of games and the one thing Microsoft has done a very good job of doing in the past two to three years with Xbox One is that they've been leveraging their generational hits for Xbox, Xbox 360 and also Xbox One and putting those games on 
Game Pass. So that is what I love. So I've gone back and been able to revisit things like Knights of the Old Republic or even Fusion Frenzy, which isn't really a classic, but is a game I remember from the original Xbox. The just sheer plethora of Xbox 360 games that are there, but also courting developers to put their games on there. Grand Theft Auto 5 was on Xbox Game Pass for months. I think either at the time of this recording it has just left the service or it has recently gone away. Even indie hits that have come out like Goose Game. The Goose Game, if you saw that when it came out, you're like, what is that? But then they put it on Xbox Live. Or excuse me, Xbox Game Pass. And it is just an amazing game experience. It is so different. And it's an experience I really would not have taken a part of if it was not there readily available for me to download. So that, those are the things that I really love about Xbox Game Pass. Now what I hate. 100 games doesn't feel like enough at times. I know that is uh, beggars can't be choosers in that regard. However, it says 100 plus, but there are some times where I feel like the content is lacking for maybe what my tastes are at the moment when it comes to playing a game. If I'm looking for something new, something just a mindless fun, not really to dig deep into. Sometimes it doesn't have what I want and I feel like in other months that it does and that's one of the things the nature of the service is almost like a, a Netflix type of service where you have games coming and going every single month so that is one of the things I hate about and that's more of a personal thing not so much a condemnation of a service because that's how subscription services work unless it's really Disney Plus because once it's in Disney Plus it's probably not going anywhere because Disney owns it <laughs> so is it worth the money if you are someone particularly if you're someone who has an Xbox One, someone who has purchased Microsoft first party titles on a regular basis, if you're someone who buys at least two brand new games, AAA games a year, yes it is worth it because at $9.99 a month, it is it gives you an experience that you may not get anywhere else. You can get to play a game that you normally would not buy. And that right there is well worth the price of two games. Just the sheer number of games you can play ultimately beat. But also the whole package. There are many games that come on discounts at significant discounts and I know that I've purchased games because of that subscription which are you know especially like last generation games which ends up being like $1.99 I'm like oh my goodness I have to buy this for $1.99 or AAA titles that are a little bit older that are then ultimately have a 75% price cut just because that you are a member so you end up saving money in the long run long run as well got tongue tied there but also all of the games on game pass if you decide to purchase them outright digitally you then receive a discount on that as well so the question i pose to myself in writing out the outline is it something that i am going to continue to keep once everything is said and done and yes more than likely no i don't want another subscription service However, this is one that over the past six or seven months I have gotten a lot of mileage out of for the couple of bucks I paid for it. 
and at $9.99 a month it is something I would definitely consider more than likely keeping for another couple of months especially as we get into the fall with the new hardware coming out and I don't plan on buying an Xbox um, Series X or anything else really anytime soon however a lot of the first party Microsoft games are going to be available on all of their platforms which includes the Xbox One obviously at a diminished capacity but the fact that day one just for having Game Pass I could play Halo Infinite is the only real selling point that I need to keep Xbox Game Pass. So if you're thinking about it, try it out. They usually give it away for like a buck or two to try for a month or three. Who knows? Microsoft is very aggressive of getting people on the service. Right now, their last earning calls, they talked about that they had 10 million people subscribe to Game Pass. How many are paying? Who knows? But 10 million people is a lot of people. And even if you have a 30% conversion rate after everybody's trials is done, that's 3 million people. That is still more than the PlayStation equivalent, which recently just dropped its price to compete with Game Pass. So, on that note, that's why I stand on the Xbox Game Pass. Let me know what you think at info at websitemagazine.com. Is Game Pass worth it? Is it a good deal? Or is it just another subscription service trying to cipher uh, your hard, excuse me, siphon your hard-earned money from your wallet every single month? When on that note, I'm going to take a break and we'll be right back. Listen to a word from our sponsor, Anchor. And we're back from the break. The geekdom exploded this week. At least at the time of the recording of this episode. It was announced that the the mythical unicorn of the DC Universe, the Snyder Cut, was actually going to be finished and released on HBO Max. Now, mind you, I'm sorry. For those who don't know what the Snyder Cut is, the Snyder Cut... Zack Snyder, he directed Batman vs. Superman, Man of Steel, but also Justice League. Before the whole debacle that was Justice League, he was the Kevin Feige of the DC Universe in, in many respects. Basically meaning he was the one that was shepherding and molding the DC cinematic um, universe to whatever story was going to. Now we know that that has basically been blown up. Um, because of the poor performance of Justice League. I saw Justice League a few years ago on a plane on one of my several business trips, and it was okay. It wasn't great. It was nowhere near the level of a spectacle that you saw with a comparison or comparative movie like The Avengers, but it was okay. It was very indicative of what DC had done with their movies and let me flash back a little bit to Suicide Squad. I saw Suicide Squad in the theaters when it came out. It's one of those movies where you can tell they just chopped it the hell up and that the studio really interfered with what was trying to be done because there were many bright spots in Suicide Squad but it's one of those movies where you watch it, you see it and it's, it, was, it was popcorn fare with no emotion. It was spectacle with spectacle. It had bright spots like Harley Quinn and Dead Shots with Margot Robbie and Will Smith respectively and a couple other people who really shine through but you could tell there was a lot there in the movie that was on the cutting room floor and that is exactly how I felt about Justice League and mind you I was not a big fan of Man of Steel. Man of Steel in retrospect is a pretty good movie and the best parts of Man of Steel had nothing to do with Superman and everything to do with the story of Clark Kent and his father 
the emotion there like I really felt that but all in all I really have come to enjoy Man of Steel a lot more than I did when I initially saw it and frankly even with not liking Man of Steel at first I thought Henry Cavill was a perfect Superman and still is a perfect Superman and then we get to Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice I have many problems with that movie many 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 problems with that movie but my main problem with that movie is Doomsday how Doomsday was created how he was dispatched how this this character this character killed Superman and yes he did so in Batman of Superman spoilers if you haven't seen it already however it was so under Doomsday was underwhelming for him to have been this character that pretty much in the comics his initial incarnation dispatched the Justice League was pounding and pummeling Justice League members one by one left and right and for him to ultimately meet his end in a Apocalypse, excuse me, Metropolis destroying brawl with Superman and Superman 75 back in the day. For that to be the movie version of Doomsday, I was thoroughly, thoroughly disappointed in that. Also, I dislike Ezra um, Miller's Flash. I really can't stand it. Sorry, that's just me. Okay, so I say all that. So going into Justice League, I was not the biggest fan of the Snyder's. Of Snyder's interpretation of DCEU. But seeing Justice League, I can see that Justice League had the same issues as Suicide Squad. They cut the hell out of it. They really cut the hell out of it. And there were so many points in that story in Justice League where the, there were too many hanging threads. That's what I want to say. After that, and after the DCU imploded, and after Shazam, which I really liked, uh, by the way, I mean, the guy that plays Chuck, and his name escapes me at the moment, I've been a fan of his since Chuck, and anything he's in, I will watch, because he's always great and magnificent, and he is a geek's geek, and as someone, someone like myself, can totally see him in that role, and totally get the emotion and the funny he's having in these sort of roles he ends up picking whether it was Chuck whether it's in Thor whether it's Shazam you know he is having the time of his life and as a movie girl as a fan I and as a geek I feel that when I see him play Zachary Levi that's his name that's right so that was kind of the last big salvo connection uh, to the DC EU as it was. And then we've had girl, not girls, Birds of Prey come out, which I had no desire to see, even though I like Mar Margot Robbie as, as Harley Quinn. I had no desire to see it whatsoever. And from all understanding, there is a not really connection to anything else that's come before, which I think is, is a travesty with what they were building. But I'm I'm kind of going off topic here for a moment. So the point is, after years of, of Justice League coming out and after the utter failure that it was box office wise uh, comparatively to what they wanted and what they expect there had been rumors that there was a director's cut or Snyder's cut of this film that was produced or was almost finished there was something special effects wise that they wanted to do so there has been a, a building drum roll call from the fandom over the past two to three years for Warner Brothers to release the Snyder Cut, to release the movie that we deserve, to release a good Justice League movie. That's if it is good, because Zack Snyder has a spotty record uh, for every Dawn of the Dead remake and every Man of Steel, we do have Sucker Punch, so don't forget that. So recently, doing a, a live stream, since we know we're all in quarantine, uh, Zack Snyder was doing a watch party for Man of Steel, and it was announced 
that in 2021, the Snyder Cut of Justice League is hitting HBO Max, yet another subscription service. However, one I will gladly pay for for a month to watch the Snyder Cut of Justice League. And let me tell you why. Because it cannot be worse. No, it really can't be worse than the theatrical version of Justice League that was released. And again, I am not saying it was a bad movie, but it could have been better. There could have been more there. They chopped so much out of the movie to make it run fast and to keep it under a certain time limit. And if you are a fan of movies, you know sometimes that you walk away, you can walk away from a movie and say, that was kind of rushed, so they needed more time. Or conversely, you could say, you know, they could have cut about a half hour out of the film very easily, five minutes here, five minutes. At least I've done that before many times to make the flow a little bit better. Well, with Justice League, it's like they just opened up the fire hose and like sprayed you the whole movie just to get everything out and give all the hit all the points. But there was no exposition, there was no character development, especially considering you introduced all of these new characters within the context of the movie. And I think that would have been a lot better service um, service to the story and to the fans if you had more of that character development since you didn't have these standalone films before Justice League. And again, I really can't send Everton Miller as The Flash. I, I don't like the interpretation of The Flash. I don't like the suit. I don't. And it's very hard, and, and no disrespect to Ezra Miller, um, because it's very hard to really see The Flash when you have the Flash TV show on and how the suit and Grant Gunston really does a great job as The Flash, even though I don't really watch The Flash anymore either, but he really does a great job of The Flash, and the show itself does a very good job of being what you imagine The Flash to be, if even if you're a passing comic book fan and a passing have a passing knowledge of the flash the series is the flash the movie version of the flash i don't know what that was supposed to be but in my opinion it was not the flash i am excited about the snyder cut and coming and then there are even rumors that there will be a david ayers or a director's cut of suicide squad which i would really like to see because suicide squad was it had so much potential and i think that's why i'm so upset with that movie it has such a great cast it was so funny in bits it was the story was like uh, whatever okay this is kind of stupid but it had such great potential and if they have success with the snyder cut and then do an airs cut of suicide squad as a, a fan, as a geek, as a blurred, I will be very happy and very happy to give HBO $14.99 for a month or two just to be able to watch those movies. So that's my rant on that. What do you think about the Snyder Cut? Are you excited? Not excited? Again, send me an email at info at com, or just hit me up on social media. Uh, Webster style, Instagram, Twitter, or Satorian Geek on Instagram. But after that, I'm going to take a quick break and I'll be right back. And we're back. Now, I will be remiss to forget about the fragrance of the week. This week, I want to talk about Sea Salt and Fig by, wait for it, Old Navy. Yes, Old Navy actually has a line of fragrances. And when you think about their fragrances, if you are familiar with them, you tend to think of their ladies' selection, not so much the men's selection. Well, this Sea Salt and Fig is very much a unisex 
fragrance but it is really wonderful and it's only 13 bucks it's 12.99 for a eau de parfum concentration so it's very strong and it's just a small bottle at 30 milliliters however with it being of that EDP concentration you don't have to wear a lot and as you can imagine it's sea salt and fig those are the notes that's all you need to know and is really good for the summer and the spring now considering how powerful it is as far as the concentration I've worn it in the fall and the winter as well and have had no issues with its longevity or its sillage uh, however it is really a a sweet but airy scent because of the sea salt and fig so it really really encapsulates the sense and vibe of spring and summer seasons so if you are near an old navy if well they open back up by the time you hear this uh, try it out you know if you don't like it your wife might like it because like I said it is a very unisex fragrance and again it's 13 bucks you are not gonna go wrong on a fragrance of, of this sort of caliber at $13 it is really a steal for the price and they could charge double and it would still be more than worth its weight in gold so that is a fragrance of the week what are you wearing what fragrances are you wearing this week let me know on social media at Webster Style on Instagram and Twitter or at Sotulian Geek on Instagram. Also drop us a line at info at WebsterStyleMagazine.com. You can find us there. You can find us all those places. You can also find us on Facebook at you know Facebook.com forward slash Webster Style Magazine. I have been your host Webster Style. Thank you again for joining us on the only podcast where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. Be safe. Be blessed. Have a great day. Styling. Take it off, pose on the floor, pal. And no one girl should fit it all in them jeans. So take it off and let me see what's under them scenes. Oh, you wanted to. Oh, I completely read that wrong. <laughs>